Today we have three true scary stories. The first story revolves around an app I used to use a lot as a kid. Back in the days where we didn't ask for girls' numbers, we would ask for their aims. Do you remember those days? AOL Instant Messenger was quite a time for teenagers to send messages during a time where we didn't have unlimited text messages. Are you old enough to realize that back then we didn't have unlimited text messages? You'd only have a certain cap of maybe this much data being transferred a month or this many text messages. And once you passed that, you'd probably have to pay like a cent a text message or something like that. One thing about AIM is that it's not like Instagram. It isn't like you could see a whole profile for the other person while messaging them. The most you got was maybe a small profile pic that they had on their account. So honestly, if you didn't know the other person in real life that you were communicating with, you never knew who it truly was on that other side of the screen. Now, in this story, I see that an AIM chat room is involved. I personally don't remember chat rooms on AIM, unless this may have been in its earlier times. However, I do remember going on chat rooms online. Ah, man, this makes me reminisce a lot. Especially where the ones where you could play games like chess or checkers and there will be a little chat box you could talk to the other person on. And what's crazy is that I remember the most common message was ASL, which stood for Age, Sex, Location. You'd sometimes see people as young as six to eight years old on these things. and You never know if a 40 year old can pretend to be a teenager during those times. And wow, this made me really think about a website that I used on the daily for like a year straight. I remember being on this webcam site called Stickcam. And I even had my first online girlfriend on there who lived way in another state. I mean, that might've been like maybe Montana or somewhere that I probably would never go. That was back when I was like 12 years old. Now you can imagine that didn't last very long, but I also remember going into video chat rooms and it would be guys like 40 to 50 years old running some of these rooms, which when I was younger, I didn't think much of. But now that I'm older, it's quite weird to think about how common that was on that website. And these rooms would be filled with bored teenagers who you could personally message and have a private chat with if both parties agreed. Now at the time, that was an exciting thing. I saw it as a world away from the boring, isolated life that I lived at home. But thankfully, I never came across anything weird personally. And if I did, it would have been quick and I would just block whoever the person was. Now, as of today, this site no longer exists. From what I see, it got shut down in 2013, so it lasted a mere eight years. And honestly, those were sort of like the Wild West days of online chat. Moderation wasn't really a huge thing. I mean, we didn't have that much security back then. I mean, you wouldn't know about something unless someone personally reported someone or personally reported a thing happening. It wasn't like robots could detect predators. There wasn't even any sort of like age limit or 
restrictions. I mean, a 40-year-old could message a 12-year-old at the time. There was nothing that said, oh, you had to be older than 18 to talk to this guy, you know. Just to think, I used to play checkers and chat with strangers. It was a huge jump to actually get on camera and talk to people for real. Now, going back to AIM, I never talked to strangers too much. Thankfully, I only had people I personally met or knew. But that didn't stop randoms from messaging me. Spam accounts that pretended to be these hot chicks from foreign countries, especially when I started getting on MySpace. And knowing how gullible I was, I was like, wow, this hot chick would talk to me? You know, I probably believe that these people are real. Okay, that's enough about me. Let's see what happens with the protagonist of this story. AOL was popular when I was 13. Written by Van Barrier. America Online was a big thing when I was 13. Or in other words, for my generation, AIM. Which stood for, you guessed it, AOL Instant Messenger. It was around 2002 and I would have been a fresh 13-year-old in 8th grade. And had many times went into the chat rooms by myself or with friends goofing around. Unfortunately, unsolicited photos were a thing then, so... Usually, you could stay clear of it by the chat room you entered. Now, I didn't have any photos of myself back then, and at that time, you needed to take a digital photo and upload it from your camera. Plus, I was 13 and self-conscious, which I'm sure anyone can relate with. But one day, a guy popped up on my screen wanting to chat. It went fine at first, and... I was very naive back then, and we quickly fell into a pattern of talking. His name was Dave and lived in California. Eventually, things led to him telling me that he loved me. But the problem was, was that he was 19. Now, I wasn't proud of this, but at first, being 13, I just sent pictures of some random girl and just said it was me and he instantly fell for it, telling me that age is just a number and how mature I was. Now, at this point, he did not live in state, so there was never any chance of us meeting. Eventually, he told me that he and his mom were moving up to a city that was about an hour and a half away from me, and he would start begging me to see him and go to a movie, anything. I had to break the catfishing truth and say that those pictures were not of me, but of someone else. And he was furious. He had been looking forward to a different type of child this whole time. And Dave would forgive me a few days later saying, I still want to meet you because I love you. All the things you say to a young girl to get her to swoon. So I told my best friend everything I just explained and that I wanted her to go with me to meet him. There was a whole plan about him driving to see me and going to the movies to finally meet what I thought was the love of my life. 
I had been brainwashed into believing this was normal. I didn't tell my mom, of course, and honestly, she didn't notice any of it was going on to begin with. So, the day my friend and I were going to meet up with Dave, her mom came and picked us up from school. And she said something that made my stomach drop into nothingness. She said, Chrissy, you are not going to the movies. You are not going to meet that man. You're going to get seriously hurt or kidnapped. And I can't allow you guys to go. I cried and cried because I honestly thought that I could handle everything and be fine. She told me that I wasn't going to tell my mom. I had to promise to never speak to him again and never plan to meet a stranger online. He ended up showing up and was upset that I wasn't there. He went on aim flying off the handle like I hadn't seen at that age. And it scared me. It scared me how close I was to this man being near me. And I never talked to Dave again. But I easily believe that I would have been kidnapped or worse that day if my best friend's mom hadn't stepped in. My mom would have been none the wiser. I was none the wiser. But I'm here today and I learned a dire lesson. Now imagine what would have happened if the friend's mom didn't know anything about the meetup that she was having with this stranger online. We would have had two little girls kidnapped. The friend's mom definitely saved her life. And her not telling her mother while also teaching her a lesson is another win. Because imagine the trouble she would be in with her own mom. Looking at the comments of this story posted on Reddit, a commenter claimed to have been accidentally included in a CP trading ring when they were only 12 years old. Now, I don't have all the details of this story, but I do want to warn you that this is quite sensitive. This was way back in the day before free X-rated sites were prominent. During the times where you actually had to go to the store and buy these sorts of things. So as a compromise, people would trade files online, which I'm sure they still do to this day. Now, according to the commenter, there would be group chats with certain themes. And the commenter stated that they went inside a room that traded primarily Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon X-rated sort of pictures. Apparently, a 16-year-old teenager inside the chat claimed to have photos of young teens. And being that this commenter was only 12 years old, they were excited to see it because it was other girls their age. And honestly, he didn't really understand the legality of it at the time. And I won't go into much detail of what he uncovered, but let's say that he innocently looked at them and, and didn't really know the implications of the photos he was sent. Now, I never thought of something like that. Sure, there are predators online, but a kid who is innocently talking to a stranger 
who doesn't really understand what they're getting into or what sort of material may come into their computer. It's just another reminder that monitoring your child's activity online is very important. Especially with four or five-year-olds having access to phones and iPads, we have to be protective over what they have access to. Educating them that watching things like that is not okay. And we can't just automatically assume that children knows that's a bad thing. That time was like the Wild West of online. There wasn't a lot of history of dealings like that, of what sorts of things people can run into. Sure, we know about stranger danger in person, but online? We think we have some sort of protective shield since it's not in person and that they would never see our true identity. The cases have popped up of stalkers and people being able to actually track down other people by use of their IP address. And it's crazy because it's so easy to trust strangers online back then, especially if you chat a lot, you sort of gain feelings. And in another case I read in the comments, a girl was 15 talking to a 19-year-old guy. They became sort of like best friends, even though they lived on completely opposite sides of the country. So one day, the guy asked if he could share something with her, saying that he trusted her and that he didn't really share this with anyone else, and that if she could promise to still be his friend and not block him if she saw what he was sharing. And of course, since she was close to him, she said that there was nothing that could be that bad for her to actually block him. But little did she know, that was totally wrong. The next thing you know, he sends a folder and she opens it and immediately blocks him. The folder was filled with content involving young minors. Again, I won't go into detail, but this is another reminder to be careful who you deal with online and do not open anything strangers send you through a zip file unless you know who they are and the purpose of that zip file. Please protect your children and monitor who they talk with and what sites they can access because it's easy for predators to pretend to be friendly and gain trust from young children who don't know better. The next story is about a man who goes into the wilderness with his night vision scope rifle overnight in an effort to hunt wild boar. But little does he know, a quiet night out will turn into a night he will never forget. The man I saw through my night vision scope, written by Perpetual Connection. I'm a hunter and I like to hunt wild boar specifically. Though I have been deer hunting and have been known to get a turkey for Thanksgiving, I mostly hunt boar. For those of you that don't know, boar are a big problem in the United States. 
A sow can have two litters a year and it's not uncommon for a litter to consist of 10 or more pigs. Given that pigs eat anything and everything, it's not hard to see why the Department of Fish and Wildlife makes it legal to hunt them with almost no restrictions. In my state, it's illegal to hunt most large mammals with night or thermal vision scopes, with the exception of boar and coyote. Now, I'd been saving for a year, mostly fun money. It's hard to explain to your wife that a scope that costs literally twice as much as the rifle I was mounting it on was worth it. But I did it. I took it to a range and sighted it in. And there was an area that was peppered with boar activity that I knew would be perfect for a night hunt. It was easily accessible with my truck with easy to find spots that I could set up in that overlooked a large easy to navigate clearing. And that night started uneventful, mostly me tinkering with my new toy, cycling through the settings. And I was a little impatient. I'd spotted multiple deer, but they were out of season. And like I mentioned earlier, my current setup wasn't legal for deer. I moved to another spot I'd seen days earlier that probably wasn't much better than my first, but it gave me something to do and a new angle to look around with my new scope. And after an hour or so of glassing the area, it dawned on me. This spot doesn't have much animal activity at all. No rabbit or owls, and the deer that I'd seen were hundreds of yards from where I was. Why was this pocket of land so dead at night but lively in the day? I'd set up around 10 p.m. and it was around 2 a.m. when I started to think about packing up. Maybe setting up a target before I left and taking some practice shots. And that's when I heard a crunch come from the direction that I came from before. And I panned my scope over and saw the silhouette of a small bear pushing through the bushes. Now, it's important to note that my scope isn't exactly night vision. It's a thermal scope, kind of like a black and white version of what you see in the Predator movies. I adjusted my range and I zoomed in a little. And I remember jolting a little when I saw that it wasn't really a bear. It was a man. Because he was so low and hunched over, I thought that I was looking at a young bear. Is that a game warden? It couldn't be. I would have seen the headlights coming up from the road where I was perched. And where could he have walked from? I was 30 miles from anything and on public lands. I was about to call out when I adjusted my sights and noticed that he was naked. No shoes, pants, or anything. And I remember being disturbed by his movements like a squirrel or something, twitchy and grabbing at the foliage, sniffing around and palming the tree. Was that my tree? The one that I'd been leaning against before? The thought terrified me, 
Could he smell me? And then he did something that I still have nightmares about today. He squatted and placed his hands in the dirt between his feet and stared straight up like a dog mid-howl. And I heard it. A voice coming from that direction. A very compelling female voice. Help! I'm lost! There was a long pause, but neither of us moved a muscle. The center of my sights was trained at the dirt in front of his feet. I couldn't bring myself to aim directly at another person. It went against everything that I was taught about firearms. Were they lost? Was this some guy that had gone crazy out there? Why was his voice so feminine? Help! Please! I can't walk! The voice called out. And that's when I called bullshit. Not only could he walk, when I first saw him, he was traversing the land with ease for a naked person, so good that I mistook him for a bear. That's a fucking trap. This guy is trying to lure me with his damsel in distress routine. Luckily, the lack of activity before had caused me to pack up most of my gear. And I think I may have left behind a hat and the sitting pad, but I didn't give a shit in that moment. I took my eyes off of him for a moment and got my pack on. I buckled my chest strap and scrambled for my rifle. And to my horror, he was in the same position, but his face was staring in my direction, and I swear I saw him smile. How the hell had he heard me get up and put my gear on? He must have easily been 150 yards away. Fuck off! I screamed in that direction. He stood upright and it hit me how tall and skinny that he was. Easily six feet and very lean. And he took a couple of long strides in my direction. And I instinctively sent a round sailing above his head into the tree line. He was freaky as hell, but he hadn't really threatened me. So what would I tell the cops? I was unwilling and unready to shoot someone. And he stopped dead in his tracks and hunched down on all fours. The next one will fuck you up, go away. He stayed on all fours and this time I had my sights trained on the center of him and his eyes were just above the grass like a large cat or something. And I was trying to stop my trembling and I knew that my voice had cracked a little on that last warning. I was terrified. That standoff probably only lasted a minute or two, maybe less, but it felt like forever. And in an instant, he bolted left towards the tree line opposite the road. So much for not being able to walk. He was moving so damn fast I could barely keep him in my scope. And he disappeared into the brush. And I sent another bullet sailing high in his direction. 
I racked another round and tried to pocket that mag and swapped for a fresh one. But I dropped it, and I didn't bother looking for it. I wasn't far from my truck and I wanted to get the hell out of there. And I could hear him in the distance, yelling in this weird sound that could have been a laugh or a cry. And I scrambled up the trail and arrived at my truck breathless. I tossed my gear into the cab, but kept the rifle in the passenger seat and sped off. And for the longest time, I told that story from the perspective of having spotted some deranged crackhead living off the land like some sort of caveman. I reported it to the fish and game, but all they did was scold me for hunting at night alone. And I've never received an update. It wasn't until I told this story at a camping trip that my nephew told me about wendigos and rakes and skinwalkers. My story scared the piss out of him because the spot that we were camping was technically the same forest that I seen the bastard, just 50 miles east of it. He was so spooked that his mom slash my cousin had to take him home and she was really pissed. I've gone down the rabbit hole, one of these scary stories, and I'm not saying what I saw definitely was a wendigo or a skinwalker. I'm saying that if such a thing exists, I may have dodged quite the bullet that night. Maybe it was just a tweaker being Donnie Thornberry in the middle of the night, but either way, I thought I'd share it with you all. Believe what you like. These events happened as I recalled them. And no, I'm not a writer. Going hunting alone at night is terrifying in itself. So I have to give it to the poster of this story. That they're very brave. I don't know much about hunting, but is hunting that late at night really the best type of hunting? What was this creature that the poster ran into? It sure didn't sound like it could be human. Was it a skinwalker? Or was it just a man on some heavy drugs? Thank God he noticed who was calling out in the woman's voice because... The poster of the story said had he not heard where the source of the noise was coming from, then he probably would have approached, thinking it was some lost or injured hiker out in the dark wilderness. But in hindsight, what would you have done? One commenter suggested shooting the creature after hearing the off-putting distress call. But according to the poster, Shooting from such a long range was not a good argument for self-defense. It would be very difficult to convince a jury that it was for safety purposes, being that the creature was such a long distance away. But honestly, you never know what's out there in the wilderness. One commenter claimed that when driving through Navajo Nation in the darkest of night, you see random things in the middle of nowhere. 
hitchhikers who suddenly appear on the side of the road where there is nothing around for miles. So how the hell did they get there? The next story revolves around a woman who is home alone and encounters a stranger knocking on the door and offering some clothes. And although the poster of the story refuses these offerings, the stranger doesn't seem to like to take no for an answer. A knock on my door led to scary events, written by Voice Dance. This happened around 2018, right after my sister moved out of our apartment together. It's been bothering me since I just moved out. I was home alone on my day off when someone knocked on my door. No one ever visits and I have anxiety, so that was terrifying to my brain already. I answered and it was a woman who lived in one of the basement apartments. She seemed nice at first, asking if I wanted any clothes she was giving away, because they weren't really her style, but supposedly they match mine perfectly as a young woman. That was already a red flag in my mind because the only time I ever saw her was when I was walking to work, wearing my uniform of a black shirt, black pants, and black hat. But I let her talk because I'm super awkward and hated being rude to technical strangers. And then she started getting pushy and listing off super expensive name brands to try to get me to go to her apartment. And it was an old small building, no cameras, and I lived on the second slash top floor. And her apartment would be down what I call the creepy stairs and next to the door to the back lot that no one used. And that's when I realized she was holding a notebook open with a script of what to say. I continued to reject, but my anxiety wouldn't let me close the door on her face without fear of her lashing out. She kept insisting until I finally told her that my boyfriend was going to be home soon, and I suggested that she donated them. My boyfriend wasn't going to be home for many, many hours, but she didn't need to know that, obviously. So, she leaves and I go back to my room, which has a window facing the back lot slash alley. A few moments later, I hear a fight happening in the lot, and I see her with the previous maintenance man, who was already fired at that point. It's a loud, screaming fight, and they're standing next to his truck, which has tinted windows and a covered truck bed. My paranoia went a little wild, so I texted my family about it to feel a bit safer. And then I believe he left. But a little while later, something hits my door hard. 
I didn't check. I just stared. And then it happened again and again. All night until my boyfriend came home. And then for a few days when I was alone. I found out after looking at the door that they were hitting my deadbolt and it was off center. Even after it was replaced, the damage couldn't be fixed. It stopped after a little while and the woman moved out almost immediately after all of that. I don't want to feed my paranoia, but something obviously wasn't right. I know I should have called the police, but I have horrific phone anxiety. Everyone thought I was overreacting and the police in my town are relatively useless. Also, that maintenance man was rehired and was the one who replaced my deadbolt, insisting he kept the extra key despite never needing the old. My new house is much safer, thankfully. What would you do if you heard all of that knocking while home alone? Was this woman constantly knocking until the poster of the story would say yes to her offerings? Or was there something more sinister up her sleeve? Was the poster not clear enough to the woman that she wasn't interested? One commenter suggested that when people make you feel unsafe, being rude to them is the last thing to be worried about. There should be no need to explain the answer no. The answer no is enough. The woman could have been trying to lure her to a spot where no one ever goes around in the apartment to either rob her or do something worse. Why couldn't she just bring the clothes to the door where she stayed if she was truly that interested in offloading the clothes? Now, what gets me is that she had a script. Maybe she was going to multiple doors. Maybe she had mental issues and could not remember what to say every time. Or maybe it was something much worse. But also, knocking the lock off the door and her dealings with the maintenance man who ends up changing the locks and keeping a key? At that point, I would probably hire someone else to put a different lock. But thankfully, the poster of this story ends up moving into a new home. And from the looks of it, I don't blame her. Well, that's all for today. Make sure you stick around for the next episode, which can either be the Scarecast Files, a bedtime story, or another series of true scary stories. And if you enjoy this episode, please rate and review this podcast and share to a friend. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at the Scarecast. And if you have any scary stories, Send me a message on Instagram or email me at mike at the All of the information will be in the description of this episode. And as always, be safe out there. And until next time.